Hi. Hello. Here we go again. And you're just like, I just like, here we go I again. I guess Yay. we'll do this thing that I chose to do. <laughs> Ugh. If I must do what I told Ren we were going to do. <laughs> like, but that's the thing. I don't know. We're both into horror. I'm pretty stoked. I'm glad yeah. that we're, we're getting somewhere too. Yeah, we are. Listenership has picked up a lot. Everything's picked yeah. up a lot. Yeah. In the last like month, pretty much. I know because like she obsessively tracks the listens. Like I do. Every Friday night, you're just like, we're up by three point two percent. Yeah, I like looking at the downloads. <laughs> yeah, the downloads and the like hits and whatever else and like yeah. So yeah, that's weird, Andrea. I know I'm a weirdo. You need to sound more enthusiastic. Like bring out what you feel to the the front of your that face. Was, that that was me being enthusiastic. I know. Our family is really monotone sometimes. I've had to, like, train myself to sound like I'm having an emotion. (laughs) Even though I'm having lots all the time. We're just a family of robots. Yeah, like, even when, like, unless it's a family gathering. Then everyone is screaming over each other. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mom and her sisters, like, our aunts, it's just. It's crazy. They just, like, talk over each other. Yeah, which we do too, but we, do. we have an understanding. They will, you cannot get word in. No. Like, we try not to. Yeah, we try not to because, like, I, I started picking up on that after my boyfriend was like, you interrupt a lot on calls. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't even realize that's just how my family talks. Yeah. And then I started noticing it at family gatherings. And now I get stressed while I'm there because I'm just like, oh, it's so much people talking all at once. I can't even, like, hold on to one fucking topic. And I just don't talk. And they're like, why are you so quiet? <laughs> it's because you, you've been talking. To- but they are like... It's normal for our family. They expect you to join in and talk over them, too. We're all supposed to be talking over each other all at once, all night. Right? And I'm just, like, waiting for them to fucking finish. And then they're like, you're so quiet. I'm like, you guys are talking about, like, ten different things at once. I tried to respond to poor, like, long-suffering grandma who said something silently. Yeah, she's the only one who doesn't do it. And she's she's soft-spoken, like, now. (laughs) Like, her voice is slower now. And it's just like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm trying to reply to her. So her and I will meet eyes, but it's impossible to hear her. So I'll just nod and smile at her and be yeah. like, I'm listening to you, Grandma. I yeah. cannot hear what I you're saying. I do the same thing sometimes. I'm listening. Yeah. yeah. I will do that. And I will actually turn to Grandma and be like, yes. Like, yeah. I have to lean in because she's too quiet. But yeah. Yeah. No, I have to. I do that as well. Yeah. <clears throat> I know. So we've got a system at least. Me too. But yeah, no. So today our fears are, I guess – not relevant to the case we're doing as per usual, but also, <laughs> Andrea, did you want to tell us what you're afraid of? I am starting school for my master's this week, Ugh. and I'm also traveling to Edmonton for work for the next indefinite amount of time. For the next infinity. Yeah. yeah. So that is going to be hard. I don't like find it easy to do homework when or work-related stuff while I'm in a hotel. No. I can't seem to like get into that mindset. Yeah, so. it's not it's not the same. No, it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. What are you afraid of relating to that? Like, are you just afraid of like the workload or getting yeah. places? Or? I think it's I'm afraid of the workload, and I'm afraid that I won't like discipline myself oh. <laughs> enough to get it done. Well, I'll come over and I'll shout discipline at you while holding like a gong. You'll come to Edmonton. On. 
Yeah, it's like the shame walk in Game of Thrones. That's the only thing I know about Game of Thrones, by the way, people. Don't DM me about Game of Thrones. You'll come to Edmonton and do that? Yeah, I'll follow you everywhere. And (laughs) instead of saying shame, I'll just hit it and be like, discipline. Discipline. That's it. Yep. (laughs) Okay. That's That's, all I'm going to do. That should work. That should be fine. That will be incredibly effective for your focus, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. That won't be bad at all. Okay. Yeah, that won't backfire even in the slightest. It'll be fine. Not even a little. No. So... What are you afraid of? I'm afraid... Okay, I think I've done aliens before, but we saw more weird shit last night. Like, my neighbor and I, who I go on walks with, with her dog. So, there was lightning, like, a lot last night, right? Like, that lightning... Yeah, right? And it was pouring for a very short period of time. Yeah, like, when we went out, it stopped pouring, but the lightning was still going, and you couldn't even hear the thunder. It was Mm -hmm. just, like, the whole world kept lighting up every three seconds. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, you could see it through the windows of our apartment when I was here. I was like, what the fuck is going on out there? Yeah. And then, of course, I went outside for a walk. Of course, that's the natural thing to do. As you do, yeah. And anyway, (laughs) like, the sky was clear as we were walking, and we... Saw a couple strange things. She got a picture, uh, my neighbor got this uh, picture on the phone mm-hmm. of what I assumed had been a tree because when it lit up, like when the sky lit up, there was this dark fuzzy pillar. But when you look at the picture, it's not a tree. A, there wasn't a tree there. I just hadn't been paying attention very well. And <laughs> B, it's not a tree. You can see the houses in the distance through it at the bottom. Oh. It's just this huge dark blurry like fuzzy pillar yeah like this huge see-through pillar and it's like massive that's like it's massive it was the whole entire sky and down to like the ground maybe it's aliens well yeah because later as i was (laughs) walking i saw like this flashing red star like we were looking up at the stars right Mm -hmm. and we're like and i was like hey there's a big dipper and then i looked over i was like and a red thing and i was like maybe it's a planet like i was like what planet would that be it's so visible and it was blinking, like sparkling, like blinking, like blinking lights, Sonata. like a helicopter, but it wasn't moving. Oh, maybe a satellite. Maybe. Like, it was very visible if it was a satellite. And so she zoomed in on it and took a picture of it, too. But since it's, you know, way, way far away up in the sky, mm-hmm. um, there's tons of pixels for that photo. But there were perfect dots, like about five perfect little lights surrounding it in a semicircle. Okay, that's not satellite-y. It was very weird. <laughs> yeah, Sod's my fear. The government's doing experiments on Cochrane, probably. Probably. I mean, that's the only explanation. It is. Yeah. Because we had a weird jet today that Aliens shouldn't have been flying low. Oh my god! That scared the shit out of me and yeah. my cats. Yeah, me too. I was like, is a plane about to crash into my apartment building? That's what it sounded like. And then I saw all of my neighbors in the other building we're staring. across were staring. And I'm like, I can't see in that direction because my windows don't face that way. Oh. God damn it. What's happening out there? You just signal to them. Like, this is when you need universal like sign yeah. language. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. Like, speak really loudly with your hands. Like, those hands are just flying. Yeah, so that just they fly. know. <laughs> and they're like, I don't fucking know with their hands back. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, shit. But yeah, no, so there's a lot of weird shit happening in Cochrane. Every yeah. single night that I go out with this neighbor, something happens. It's a weird, it's a weird town. It's surprising. You guys should come here. You'll, you'll love it. Yeah, you're into this weird, like, like, conspiracy stuff. Yeah. Well, does Cochrane ever have some things for you? <laughs> uh, I think you'll find it delightful. Yes. But yeah, so today, our unrelated cases start with mine a, a serial killer yes who was probably not an alien we're it's sort of like animal related we attempted on animal related stuff we're like a killer fed 
someone to an animal or something. And then I did like animal attacks. I did a list like I hate. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she makes a lot of sacrifices. I don't for like people. lists, but you're welcome. She doesn't like any of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, you get to go first because – and you, you weren't very successful with the animal part of the, the assignment. No. Okay. <laughs> so I forgot about the serial killer that I'd read about when I was a kid that would have been absolutely perfect for that. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was Googling, not much came up as to feeding people to animals except for like Robert Picton, which I didn't do which because – Which was the pig farmer guy, right? Yeah, that was the pig farmer. And what was the one that you read out about as a kid? Was it also pigs? No. Oh. No, it was a Texan guy, and I'll do it next time because yes. it's crazy. But I couldn't find him, and I'd forgotten. So okay. I had very little to, to to choose from. There was one other one, but it was really, really, really recent, and it, it was really nasty. So I was kind of thinking, like, ah, I'm not gonna do that one. Like, I'll I'll tell you about it, but yeah, mm -hmm. and it you guys will find it. Focus. No, okay. you guys will. But and so next time you're do... you're gonna do the feature case too. <laughs> Um, potentially, yes, or I'll fine. do the one after, yeah, I can we'll do switch. a small case, and then we'll switch. Yeah, we'll do that, so okay. that you don't have to, like, touch a list. Yeah, I don't your, like those. With your bare hands. Yeah. Okay, so now that I've gotten you hyped up for, like, <laughs> that case that I'm doing next time. Yay! This time, you get Carl Panzram. What? Yeah, so, you'll find out. Okay. And he does, at one point, feed a, a body to an animal, so. Okay. You know what, it counts, like, one sentence, but it counts. So... <laughs> He was pretty interesting. This case is like almost a case study in how people become evil. But Perfect. yeah. That sounds right up our alley. That's it does. Our, that's our wheelhouse. Yeah, because it's something that I got to watch out for in Andrea. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. Uh-huh. Go on. Uh-huh. So, Carl. I want to know about Carl Panzram. I will tell you all. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like someone who's eager to learn if they're going down the same path, Andrea. <laughs> but yeah, so Carl Panzram was born in East Grand Forks, Minnesota, the son of East Prussian immigrants Johann, John, and Matilda Panzram. He was raised on his family's farm with like five siblings. Sucks. That would turn me into a killer. Yeah, no, that's that's how it happened. Yeah. That was, that was it. <laughs> Nothing else happens that's from this point forward. <laughs> yeah, that's his whole backstory. Uh, Carl felt odd from a young age. By about five or six years old, he was a liar and thief and claimed to become meaner the older he grew. Um, in 1899, he was in juvenile court on a charge of being drunk and disorderly, which that's he, he was pretty young at that point. How old? He, like, he would have been, all right, I yeah, exactly when he was born, but he was born in the late 1800s, so this was not... Oh, wait, he in 1903, he was 11? Yeah, so he would have been, like, five, like, six. Jesus, okay. Yeah, when he was the liar and the thief, he was also, um, drunk. <laughs> that's really bad. That's not good. No wonder he got bad when he got, like, that's already not priming your kid for the best development. No. But I'm guessing he stole the booze. In 1903, he was in county jail for being drunk and incorrigible. Oh, that's different. <laughs> that's a reasonable From charge. Disorderly. I know. Hate it when people You're are incorrigible. Incorrigible. <laughs> I'm totally going to use that against you. Like, Andrea, I'm sensing a little bit of you being incorrigible right now. <laughs> Do I need to take you to the county jail? Yes. And, yeah, she's been there a lot. And in 1903, at the age of 11, he stole some cake, apples, and a revolver from a neighbor's home because yes. those three things go together. Obviously. I like to eat apples and cake while shooting things. Don't Or I all. like to eat cake while I'm shooting apples. I like to eat <laughs> guns while I throw apples. <laughs> At cake? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good time. 
Uh, soon after, his parents sent him to the Minnesota State Training School on October 11th, 1903, probably because of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was not a very good idea, as it turned out. While there, Carl was repeatedly beaten, tortured, and raped by staff members in what attendees dubbed, quote, the paint shop, because children would leave painted with bruises and blood. Wow. Maybe some background should have been done. Like, background research? Background research? On this state training school yeah someone probably should have checked this out i yeah. mean but it was like 1903 so they probably did and they're like yeah that's fine yeah probably yeah, right. yeah so panzeram obviously hated this place of torture so much that he decided to burn it down which in my opinion was fair <laughs> okay yep and he did so somehow without detection on july 7th 1905 all right so he managed to burn down this place and i guess no one noticed that it had been burned to the ground um, in January 1906, Panzerim was reported to be paroled from Red Wing Training School after stealing money from his mother's pocketbook. And by his teens, he was an alcoholic. Yeah. Obviously. I think yeah. by his, not teens, by his by mid-tens. His, tens. Yeah, mid-tens. Yeah, by <laughs> like six. Single ditches, digits, ditches. Yeah. Ditches. I don't know. Ditches. I don't know what happened. My favorite age. Stroke. I had a stroke. <laughs> I'll, I'll fetch the uh, the smelling salts. Okay. That's that wait. That's for fainting. This you know what? It'll work. work. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll do. It's all I got on hand. <laughs> um. So yeah, and he was also like repeatedly in trouble with the authorities, often for like burglary and theft. He ran away from home at the age of fourteen in January nineteen oh six, literally two weeks after attempting to kill a Lutheran uh, a Lutheran cleric with a revolver. Hmm. Okay. Did they never make him give back the revolver he stole when he was six? I guess not. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And basically, he became homeless, right? Like, often traveling via train cars. So he pretty much, like, lived on the rails, right? Mm -hmm. He later claimed that on one train, he was gang-raped by another group of homeless people. What is it with 1905? I don't know. 1906. Right? And 1903. Those are all bad. Bad years, them. Very rapey. Yeah, I don't know what's happening there. Like, uh, I that would prime you for not being, like, a very stable or happy person, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so in 1907, at the age of 15, after getting drunk in a saloon in Montana, Panzerum enlisted in the U.S. Army. It's what you do. Oops. When don't. you're an alcoholic. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, he was convicted of larceny and served a prison sentence from 1908 to 1910 at Fort Leavenworth's United States Disciplinary Barracks, and that was not the last he'd see of that place. Okay. Then Secretary of War William Howard Taft was the guy who approved the sentence, and that's important a little later. Panzerum later claimed that any goodness left in him was smashed out during his Leavenworth imprisonment, so... You can only imagine what goes on there. Excellent. Mm-hmm. After his release, uh, like, from the military and dishonorable discharge. Really? He got a dishonorable discharge. Yeah, shocking. Um, Panzeram continued being a thief, stealing anything from, like, bicycles to whole entire yachts. How do you do that? How do you just steal a yacht? Pick it up. Or, and run. Yeah. Real fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> He's just kind of like... They don't move like, fast. Take it. Yeah. How do you do that? I'm guessing he just waited until it was, like, docked and went back at night and, like, like boat drove Slowly it away. Slowly sailed it away. Oh, yeah. Sailing is the term for boat driving, which is what I just <laughs> called it. It's like he boat drove it. 
<laughs> What's that called again? <laughs> Thanks, Andrea. Yeah, the uh, whole entire yachts, and was caught and imprisoned multiple times. And he served some time like under his own name, but also various aliases throughout the United States. Like he was in a lot of prisons. Like in some <laughs> places, he served time as Jeff Davis and Jefferson Rhodes in the Oregon State Prison. He served as Jefferson Baldwin. In Bridgeport, Connecticut, he was John O'Leary, and basically he was just, like, all over the place with names and prisons. He really wished he had a J name, like Jeff and Yeah, John. yeah, he, that's He's like, like I point. hate Carl. Yeah, but he's like, Jeff is cool. <laughs> yeah. Jefferson's kind of a boring name, though. Uh, yeah, maybe it was really cool in the 1900s, oh, like, maybe. someone being like, my name is Blaine, Blaine Mystery Blaine. Man. I don't know, yeah. like, and O'Leary, John O'Leary, I like it. Jefferson yeah. Rhodes, like, that sounds mysterious. That's cool, too, yeah. Rhodes. It's the Rhodes part, not the Jefferson part. No. Sorry, Jefferson's out there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and while he was incarcerated at these various, like, areas, Panzeram frequently attacked officers and refused to follow their orders, right? Which made the officers retaliate. So they would, like, brutally beat him regularly, and they'd put him through some other punishments. Sounded rapey as well. Oh, good. From what I've read in some sources, those <sighs> punishments, like, often stepped into the territory being, like, a lot. Uh, needless to say, he didn't turn out to be any better himself, so. Hmm. In his autobiography, Panzeram wrote that he was, quote, rage personified, and that he would often rape men whom he had robbed. Well, yeah. Went around. He was noted for his large stature and great physical strength, which was due to years of, like, hard labor at Leavenworth and the other prisons, which aided him in overpowering most men he encountered. So, so. prison was doing what it was supposed to, making him a better criminal. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay. This is why prison's not effective. <clears throat> no. Like, they don't get better. Like, no, it's just for punishment. they just get better at... At being worse. Crime. Yeah. <laughs> better at crime. I was gonna say better at criminaling. <laughs> We're really good at. I like, like to make up words just for you guys. Boat driving while boat be, tri- while criminaling. Yeah. That's a like formal charge. You can get a DUI for that. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that wasn't good. Um, he also engaged in vandalism and arson. And by his own admission, one of the few times he did not engage in criminal activities was when he was employed as a strike breaker against union employees. So he was oh. a scab. Great. He was a scab. Ah, don't be a scab, people. It means you're evil. Yeah. Yep. He also claimed... What? Go on. Sorry. What did you you say? I said... I can't remember. I'd have to rewind the recording. That's good. God damn it. You did well. (laughs) (laughs) So he also claimed in his 1929 autobiography that after serving like a short sentence at Rusk, Texas, he went to Juarez, Mexico in the winter of 1910 to try to enlist in the Federal Mexican Army. So he's just hopping into the army and in a jail. And then, like, he left on a train for Del Rio, Texas, got off in a small town 50 to 100 miles east of El Paso, where about a mile south of that town, he claimed to have abducted, assaulted, kicked, and strangled a man, and then stolen $35 from him. What's that in today's money? I like to think that they actually (laughs) translated it in, like, the sources I read, and that was literally $35 for the time. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) Just to (laughs) add insult. So, that was, like, he... A lot of his victims he claimed to have killed, right? So, but there are a bunch that are confirmed as well. Mm-hmm. And on June 1st, 1915, Panzeram burglarized a house in Astoria, Oregon, but was arrested soon after while attempting to sell some of the stolen items. He was sentenced to seven years in prison to be served at the Oregon State Penitentiary in Salem, uh, where he arrived on June 24th. And Warden Harry Minto, um, this guy, the 
Oregon State Penitentiary man. Oh. He believed in harsh treatment of inmates, which I, the other prisons didn't. Um, it sounded like they all did, but that's really bad. Yeah. So he believed in that, including beatings and isolation, among other disciplinary measures. And later, Pantsram stated that he swore he, quote, would never do that seven years, and I defied the warden and all his officers to make me. Later that year, Panzeram helped his fellow inmate Otto Hooker escape from the prison, and while attempting to do so, Hooker killed the warden, Minto, marking Panzeram's first confirmed involvement in a murder uh, as an accessory before the fact. Right. Right. In his prison record, he falsely gave his age as 30, and his place of birth is Alabama. Was he younger? Was he, he like, was probably older. five and a half at this point? Five and a half at this point. He's just <laughs> had a really busy six months. <laughs> no, I'm, he would have been, like, five or six in 1899. Let's say six in 1899. Yeah. And then... And then 1915. Plus 16 years, so... No, I think... Or he was, 22 yeah. or so. Um, they just didn't Identify wanna... him, like... Yeah. His, that his age is 30, and then he gives his play, his real age later or whatever. Yeah, and he might have been John at this time. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? So the one bit of autobiography he did give was his occupation, which was written as, quote, thief. Okay. At least he was honest. <laughs> Panzerham was punished several times while he was at Salem. He was placed in solitary confinement for 61 days before escaping on September 18th, 1917, only to be recaptured after two shootouts. Jesus. On May 12th, 1918, he escaped once again uh, by sawing through the bars of his cell, which I have no idea how no one noticed him doing that. Maybe in the early 1900s, they were just wood. He was and sawing he it through fast. it. Yeah, you uh, yeah, must have... Yeah, who was like, hey, do you want a saw? Right? Where'd he get the saw? <laughs> just don't use it on our wooden bars, please. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's just like, no, I'm just into carpentry. I'll, I'm, I, I, I like making escape. tables. <laughs> yeah. I've only like... escaped once or twice before. And it only resulted in two shootouts. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> in that case, yeah, so... He did that, and then he caught a freight train heading east, and he had been going by one of his aliases, John O'Leary, and he'd shaved off his mustache. So he would never return to the Northwest, which is fortunate for the Northwest, because he was about to go on his murdering sprees. I mean, his <laughs> known murdering sprees, at least, I guess, like, because yeah. he already murdered a man. That's true. Well, he only helped. Well, no, he, he kicked and strangled the man he stole $35 from. Oh, right. right. Yeah. So, the murders... In August 1920, Panzeram burglarized the William H. Taft mansion in New Haven, Connecticut, which was one of the homes of William Howard Taft, the guy who'd originally, like, Right, the said, then secretary. Yeah, the then guy who'd, like, <laughs> approved him being sentenced in that really, really fucked up jail. Yeah. Um, so, basically, like, whom Panzeram held responsible for his Leavenworth imprisonment, right? Mm-hmm. He stole a large amount of jewelry and bonds, as well as Taft's Colt 45 caliber, uh, caliber. Caliber handgun. Caliber <laughs> handgun. Yeah. And then he began a murder spree that spanned eight years and multiple countries. Uh, with the money stolen from Taft, he bought a yacht this time. Oh. Called the Akista. And he'd lure sailors away from, like, New York City bars, get them drunk, rape them, and shoot them with Taft's gun. Then dump their bodies near Execution Rock's light in Long Island Sound, and he claimed to have killed ten in all. So that was his thing. The sailor murders ended only after the Akista ran aground and sank near Atlantic City, with Panzerum's last two potential victims escaping to parts unknown. Ran yeah. aground. Okay. Ran aground. Yeah. So I don't. I maybe like he, he like, did just have drove him on the it boat. Onto. Drove it. The- ground. He boat drove it. <laughs> he boat drove it onto the ground, and the people who he was about to kill were like. <laughs> guess this is where I, I'm getting off by. Like, 
which is good, lucky for them. And after yet another stint in jail for possession of a loaded handgun, Panzerim caught a ship to Africa, landed in Luanda, uh, Portuguese Angola, and in 1921, he was the foreman of an oil rig in Angola, Africa, which he eventually burned down just out of, like, spite. Like, oh. just sheer meanness. Like, he was just like, well, I hate it. He had no more goodness, he said. Yeah, he was just doing things because he's evil at this point. Yeah. So he later claimed that while there, he raped and killed an 11 or 12-year-old boy. And in his confession to this murder, he wrote, this is pretty nasty, guys, uh, uh. quote, his brains were coming out of his ears when I left him and he will never be any debtor. What? How are his brains coming out of his ears? Uh, he killed him with a rock, I believe. Yeah. I'm- like, he had a variety of things that he did, strangling and, like, slamming people in the head with a rock. Okay. And shooting. That's not cool. Uh, no, so that one's a lot. Um, he also claimed that he hired a boat with six rowers, shot the rowers with a German Luger pistol, and threw their bodies to the crocodiles to be devoured. There it is. There it is. That's the sentence. <laughs> there you go, guys. You got it. That's all you're going to hear about it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did it. Well, good job. Thank you. According to the U.S., um, Panzerham asserted, oh, after returning to the U.S., according to the U.S., the U.S. just made him. <laughs> They're just like, we don't like this guy. Signed, U.S. <laughs> so, Panzram, like, yeah, so after he returned there, he asserted that he raped and killed two small boys, yeah, beating one to death with a rock on July 18th, 1922 in Salem, Massachusetts, and strangling the other later that year, like, in New Haven, okay. like, near New Haven. Um, Panzram claimed that in June 1923, he shot a man with a .38 pistol he had stolen from a yacht. He has this thing for yachts which belonged to the police chief of New Rochelle, New York. That's a lot of yachting this guy's doing. Yeah, like, why didn't he ever steal just a boat? Right? He's like, no, I need fineries for my (laughs) evil. But yeah, so rock strangling shooting, that was his thing. He didn't really have a modus operandi. I think he just, like... he didn't really care. No. Just anything that was bad, he did. Yeah, anything that was bad. So on August 30th, 1928, uh, he was arrested in Baltimore, Maryland for a Washington, D.C. burglary, where he'd, like, stolen a radio and jewelry from the home of a dentist on August 20th, 1928. So he got caught for that. And during his interrogation, he voluntarily confessed to killing three young boys, one in Salem, Massachusetts, one in Connecticut, and a third in Philadelphia in August 1928. And the 1928 Philadelphia victim was actually identified. Oh, that's good. Yes, I know. I was thinking, like, all these other boys. Right? Like, who knows? Who knows, yeah. Families won't get answers because he did, probably didn't know their names. And No, he wouldn't have. He was, yeah. Yeah. Um. So that boy was, I, the Philadelphia victim, was identified as Alexander Lushak. He was a 14-year-old newsboy. Yikes. Poor kids. So yeah. Panzerim later wrote that he had also contemplated mass killings and other acts of chaos, such as poisoning a city's water supply with arsenic or scuttling a British warship in New York Harbor to provoke a war between the U.S. and the U.K. Everything bad. Everything bad. In light of his extensive criminal record, he received a 25 years to life sentence. Upon arriving at Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary, (laughs) like he cannot get away from this place, as inmate 31614, he warned the warden, quote, I'll kill the first man that bothers me. And was given a solitary job in the prison laundry room. As a result, yeah, they're like, oh, we believe you. (laughs) On June 20th, 1929, he beat the prison laundry foreman, Robert Warnke, to death with an iron bar and was finally sentenced to death himself. 
so. They gave him an iron bar. I don't know why <laughs> they are leaving all these weapons around. Saws, bars. Guns. Yeah. <laughs> Yachts. <laughs> we both thought that at the same time, yeah. Yachts, nothing to sneer at. So, strangely, he refused to allow, like, any appeals of his sentence. In response to offers from, like, death penalty opponents and human rights activists to intervene, he wrote, quote, the only thanks you and your kind will ever get from me for your efforts on my behalf is that I wish you all had one neck and that I had my hands on it. Okay. So he was just an awful, evil person. Yeah. yeah. Shocking, yeah. So while on death row, Panzeram was somehow befriended by an officer named Henry Lesser, who lived from like 1902 to 1983, so he was oh, alive up until the 80s. Him. Nope. Um, <laughs> well, he was on death row by this point. I don't think he Could. had the chance. Okay. Um, basically, Henry Lesser, like gave him money to buy cigarettes. And inspired by this act of kindness, Panzeram wrote a detailed summary of his crimes and his nihilistic philosophy on writing materials that Henry Lesser provided for him right. uh, while he awaited his execution. So he okay. wrote this whole thing while they were about to take him out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. In this writing, he made it clear that he did not repent in the least of all the robberies, murders, rapes, and arsons he had been involved in. What he wrote began with a straightforward statement. Quote, in my lifetime, I have murdered 21 human beings. I have committed thousands of burglaries, robberies, larcenies, arsons, and, last but not least, I have committed sodomy on more than 1,000 male human beings. For all these things, I am not in the least bit sorry. That's not good for your case, but... No. He, he didn't seem to mind that. No. So, his execution. Panzeram was hanged on September 5th, 1930. As officers attempted to place a black hood over his head, he allegedly spat in the executioner's face. And when asked for any last words, he responded, quote, Yes, hurry it up, you word bastard. I don't know what this means, but I'm assuming it's an old slur. Um, I could kill a dozen men while you're screwing around. Carl's grave at the Leavenworth Penitentiary Cemetery is marked only with his prison number, 31614. Okay. Sheesh. So he was probably the worst person ever. He's a bad egg. I'm gonna have to Google that one slur. Yes, I've heard it before, but... Only in, like, books. Yeah, because it's old. Yeah, it's, it's old. old-ass slur. I have no idea. I don't think it's a racial slur. I think, I think it's, it's, like, um... I thought it was, like, an Irish slur, like, against the Irish. It might be. Which would have been racial for those times, but not now. We, um, can, <laughs> we can spell it if you don't want to say it, and then they can figure it out. Yeah, so, so you called the guy a H-O-O-S-I-E-R bastard. Yeah. The H was capitalized. Whatever the hell that means. So he must have said it passionately. Yeah. Yeah, whatever that means. Yeah. You're just like a really <laughs> heavy on the H. It would make sense if they were already putting like a rope around his neck. That might be a little tough. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, so mine, I just did a, a small list of animal attacks. Yeah. So the first one, and they're all pretty tragic except for the last one, which is upsetting but not tragic. Okay. So warnings for tragedy. Warnings for tragedy. Tragedy. That's tragedy. You did it. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so Brian Jeffrey Griffin. He was 12 years old and oh. he was swimming in the Dead River in Lake County, Florida. His friends were watching him from the shore and they yelled at him to get out of the water because they spotted alligators. Oh no. One of the alligators grabbed and threw him around and pulled him under the water. Um, and rescuers did get to him, but it was too late and he was pronounced dead at the hospital. Oh my god. Oh, he was 12. Yeah, these are upsetting. Okay, so this next That's an one. ominous name. Timothy yeah. Treadwell. He was a bear enthusiast, environmentalist, <laughs> oh, no. naturalist, eco-warrior, and documentary filmmaker. It's kind of badass. Yeah. 
Uh, he was at the Katmai National Park in Alaska, where he had lived for 13 summers. Right. And then an air taxi pilot named Willie Fulton was hired to go get pick him up. Mm-hmm. And with his girlfriend, Amy Hugnard. But when he, Willie Fulton got there, they, he saw an empty campsite and he was like, what the hell? And then their mangled bodies were found by park rangers. Oh, no. And this is gross. They found Treadwell's disfigured hand, partial spine, oh. and right forearm in various locations. But that's it. Oh. They figured out it was this large male grizzly bear. Named, uh, he was tagged 141. Right. And that bear was necropsied on site and confirmed that he had partially eaten Treadwell and his girlfriend. Oh, my God. Yeah. Bear yeah. enthusiast. Uh, yeah. That's not good. Don't hug bears. I don't No matter how is. enthused you are. I, I highly doubt that's what he did. <laughs> and, you you know, like, he should have been safer. Yeah, it should have been. Because he knew the area. Yeah. It's just, like, freak accidents. Like, freak things happen, right? I know. Sometimes there are bears that show up in, like, parks near the um, food trucks and mm-hmm. the farmer's market here, and yeah. they warn people. But, you know, I wouldn't hear that warning unless mom told me if I went for a walk down there to be by the river. That would suck. Yeah, that would suck. That's not good. Uh, okay, so this next one is really sad. Uh-oh. I mean, they're all sad, but this one's really sad. Oh, no. Maddox Durkosh. He oh. was two. Oh, no. Yeah. So... He was just a baby. He had some vision problems, So, was, and they were... He and his mom were looking at the um, African painted dogs, and his mom lifted him so that he could get a better view because of his vision problems. The Sazu, I'm guessing. Hmm? The Sazu. Uh, yeah. I don't know where. I didn't get all details because I was just doing a little list. But. Yeah. But, yeah, it <laughs> yeah. sounds like it. Um, he fell off the railing that was enclosing them. No. Uh, because what happened was she had lifted him up, and then he kind of lunged forward to look. Yeah, he's two. Right, yeah, and he fell and bounced off the protective netting what? into the enclosure. What the fuck? Um, and then eleven dogs pounced on him, and it's oh. they did the autopsy, and they discovered he had died from severe blood loss, not from the fall. So he died. So he from was alive when he animals. was eaten. I hope he was in too much shock to notice. I hopefully he was unconscious. Yeah, I'm hoping he at least got knocked unconscious. Yeah. From the fall, which would make sense. He is like two. It's possible. I, I really, can't even really, imagine really being that so. mother. I would be so. I would be traumatized. traumatized. For yeah, for the rest of my life. Like. Yeah, like actually catatonic. I don't think I'd be able to speak for the next like fifteen years. I don't know what I would do, but no, I would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Then there's Jenna O'Grady Donnelly. Mm-hmm. She was trekking with her friend in a wildlife reserve on Borneo Island in Malaysia. Right. And they think what may have happened is. They startled a pygmy elephant while trying to take a photograph of it, and the pygmy elephant charged at her and, like, trampled her. Oh, God. That's gross. Yeah. Oh, the poor girl. These are horrible. These are horrific. I know. Oh, my God. I, you're welcome. I'm never leaving my car. I'm never picking up my kid over any Oh, my fences. God. I would never do I'm that. Not, no, oh, I wouldn't and ask I, either. But the protective thing I read further things about the Maddox Durkosh case. Yeah. Because what had happened was they had already told people that they had told like run, people that were running the zoo that like people were holding their kids over the railing and stuff to see and that they had to increase yeah, like the, the safety. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like they had to like do something so that if the kid fall fell, like they wouldn't fall into the enclosure and they would land safely because people were lifting their kids over. Or maybe like raise the railing so that people can't lift their kids over it or something. Yeah. But they didn't do anything and then he died. Like Oh my gosh. Okay, so this last one is not as 
horrifying. Yeah, these are all horrifying. Which is why I put it last. Okay. So this is Phyllis Johnson. She was out hanging laundry. Oh, no, Phyllis. Yeah. Phyllis. And she was really old. She's like in her 90s. I hope she's okay. A kangaroo appeared. No! And he bounded into her and knocked her off her feet and kicked her. So she tried to fend it off with a broom, but it didn't work. Uh, The kangaroo didn't find the broom scary. And (laughs) she was only able to crawl to safety. And then her son used pepper spray, and they rushed Phyllis to the hospital. And from what I could tell, she survived. It was okay. Yeah, she would have had a lot of broken bones because... The kangaroos are like scary. Strong yeah, they're and tough. Scary. They can like smash your skull down. And you foot. could have them in petting zoos where you've got like tame ones. Yeah, but babies. wild ones that just wander into your yard while you're hanging laundry are not tame. Was she from Australia? Like, and that's what I'm thinking. This must have happened in Australia. I mean, there are other place kangaroos. Sorry, Australians. There are, I just assume. But it sounds like an Australian thing. Yeah, to <laughs> be mauled by an animal or attempted mauling. To be kicked by a kangaroo. Yeah, well, you're just minding your own business, While doing your laundry. laundry. Outside, which nobody does anymore. Phyllis does. Phyllis does. <laughs> Sorry, Phyllis. Yeah. I don't know. I Yeah, I wouldn't in Australia because I'd be worried if I took it back in, there'd just be like 10 different types of spider on yeah, like my sheets. Yeah, like scorpions and spiders. Yeah. And, and oh, my I'd God. Just have to wash spiders. Them again. Yeah. Or like those big ass coconut crabs that are like the width of a garbage can. I hate spiders. I don't know. Australia, like... Obviously, people survive there, so it can't be as bad as it's posited, but I have seen some scary pictures of things that live there, and I'm like, okay, well, that's enough reason just to know that exists there. I think it's the cities that, I'm not going. Um, that aren't as bad. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, They're able to, like, control, like, what comes into the cities and, like, yeah. Unless you get a wayward kangaroo. Unless you get a wayward kangaroo. It's lucky her son was there with his, like, pepper sprayed. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, so I'm glad you landed. You landed. Landed on a. On a ended um, with a. Landed on a Not miserable note. one. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I'm sure it was terrifying. But well, it's the kangaroo. Like, they're so cute. I, but I think it's because yeah. people forget that they're they're, they're wild. actually scary. Like, because kangaroos are freaking adorable, right? They are, but they're wild. But animal. you can't go up and kiss one. Well, and she wasn't even. This no, kangaroo no, no. came and fucking attacked her. I'm not saying she, she did. I'm I know. Saying, I'm just like, I want to go kiss one. But I, I know I shouldn't. So I'm glad that you haven't been kissing I'm any a big kangaroos there in Alberta. I know. Those Albertan kangaroos. Kangaroos on ice. The Albertan ground kangaroo. <laughs> the Albertan ground kangaroo. Uh, yeah. So well, email us. Yeah. At at gmail.com. And go to our Patreon for our bonus episodes. We just released one last week. Yeah, it's So great. that's patreon.com slash two scared siblings. And our Twitter is at two scared sibs. And your personal, Andrea? At Andrea Noel 3. And mine's at toy carousels. And, yes. and yeah. So send us your own like creepy animal stories to the, the oh, email. Oh, yes, yeah. that would be great. Send us your stuff. We want to hear it. Tell yes. me about like what or weird bugs. Or weird. And weird bugs. Ew, no. Okay. Anyway, fine. I mean, do it, but... And you have to allow it, Andrea. Fine. You have to open right. yourself up to the horrific possibilities. Something needs to actually scare you. You're chill with true crime. This could actually scare Andrea. <laughs> as long as you take a picture and send it and give us all the details of what the bug looked like. Thank you. I hate it. I'll make Andrea, like, print it out and hang it over her bed. <laughs> so when she's, like, half dreaming, she just, like, flips her shit. But yeah. <laughs> That'll be on a day when I'm feeling sadistic. That's about yeah. as sadistic as I'll ever be. I know. But yeah, so do that. <laughs> and yeah, even help us out with $1 on Patreon. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. $1 per month. All right. Bye, guys. Now we give you a smooch. Mwah. Mm-hmm. Sleep well.